the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. This is the will of God that by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. This is our worship. This is how we bear witness to Christ. And if Peter and Paul can say this about Nero, how many of you are married to Nero? No, put your hand down. No. How many of you are Nero? Nobody put their hand up. How many of you are married to Nero? This is the worship and warfare part. It's easy to be a Christian when things are going good. It's not so easy when things are going tough. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor here at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would like to encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his Family Matters teaching series. So if you have your Bibles... Please follow along with us as we hear part two of Pastor Keith's message, It Takes a Good Wife. And so this submission here that we, that is, we found in Ephesians, it's a comprehensive trust and reverence and obedience to Christ and a submission to the husband in everything, not just when it's easy, but also when it's hard. When you think about submission, submission isn't doing what you want to. That's easy. Submission is doing what you don't want to because you need to. And so a good wife follows God's pattern and providence, trusting and learning the higher purposes and outcomes are God's responsibilities. She obeys God's command to follow her husband, to respect her husband as her husband tries to follow Christ. And you say, ouch, there's that submission word. Why do you have to say that again? As I look at it in the Bible and I translate it into English, I'm like, can't we find another word? You can't, because that's what that word means. Somebody's out there, well, Pastor Keith, what are you, a caveman? This is the 21st century. But you know what? This whole thing, this whole theme of submission is consistent throughout the Bible. It is. Some people try to say, well, you know, Ephesians, the church at Ephesus had some unique problems there. And that's even why this stuff shows up in the pastoral epistles in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. But the bottom line is that's just not true. This was the same policy of the church, the same practice of Jesus Christ in Corinth, in Ephesus, 
and even in Colossae. In Colossians 3.16 and 18, we read this. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Worship. That's what we're talking about, worship and warfare. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Warfare, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Women have it rough these days because of all the caricatures and mischaracterizations of Christianity and themselves. And women have it rough because submission is a dirty word in this culture. It's misrepresented, it's mischaracterized. People just aren't honest. They tell us, well, submission promotes slavish servitude. Submission demeans women. It denies them their personhood. Submission means a loss of identity. Well, let's have an honest discussion. Let's have an honest conversation here. Because submission doesn't imply any of these things. It doesn't automatically mean any of these things. How do I know that? You know that. There's not anyone in this room that doesn't submit to somebody every day of the week. For example... Students in the classroom submit to the teacher's authority. Musicians submit to orchestral conductors. Well, they should submit to the teacher's authority, but you know. Athletes submit to their coaches. Actors and movie crews submit to directors. You submit to your supervisor on the job. Injured persons submit to EMTs. Can you imagine? He says, don't move. I want to get up and dance. You know, they don't. Help me. Don't move. I'll sit still. Rank and file union members submit to shop stewards. There's no place where people don't submit to somebody. And in each and every case, there's no loss of personhood, there's no loss of identity, and it's not demeaning. We call it teamwork. It's a virtue in our society. Then there are the spiritual realities of submission. God the Son, Jesus Christ, submits to the Father. Does that make him less deity? Does that make him less God? The Holy Spirit submits to the Father and the Son. He does nothing on his own authority. He only does what he hears. He only does what he's told. Does that make him less the Holy Spirit? Less God? Does it make the Trinity less than deity? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And you and I, in the church, hopefully submit to the church's leadership. That's the reality. That's honesty. So let's understand and be honest about the examples in our text. Wives submit to husbands as to the Lord. It's an act of worship. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's an act of worship. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with a sincere heart as you would Christ. It's an act of worship, and it's often an act of, warship, of warfare because it swims counter to the culture. It goes against the haves versus the have-nots, jealousy, envy. You know, we're, we've been taught the wrong way as a culture, as a society. There's no loss of personhood here. Just different roles and goals under different sets of circumstances. And wherever Christ has put you is where you're to worship and wage war. Let's talk a little more about this. Because I want you to be clear on this. What submission is and what submission is not. Let me tell you what submission is not, ladies. Submission is not putting the husband in place of God or in place of Jesus in some sort of blind and crazy obedience. A lot of times, I call it redneck theology. Woman, you're supposed to submit to me. Well, you'd just fail as a husband if you had to tell her. But the bottom line is, in throughout the Bible, there were times where the women should not have submitted to their husbands. When Abraham asked Sarah to lie, she should have said no in Genesis 12, 13. The midwives in the Exodus, right? The, the king of, of Egypt said, kill all the, fir- the, the, the baby boys that are born. They wouldn't do it. It's not a blind submission to authority. 
In Acts 5.29, Peter and the apostles were told, don't teach in the name of this man anymore by the authorities. And they said, you know what? We must obey God and not men. Submission isn't a blind, mindless surrender of your will. It's an intentional, purposeful one. It's a worshipful one. It's a wise one. It's not what submission is. Submission isn't doing whatever your husband tells you. But he says, honey, if we're going to make that cruise next year, we're going to have to rob some banks. Let's go. And that's not submission. It's not submission. You know what submission also isn't? It's doing nothing to protect yourself from an unreasonable husband. Submission is not doing anything. Submission is not putting up with abuse. Now that word abuse gets stretched way out of shape in our culture. But the bottom line is, there is no woman in this room without resources. Because if your husband is abusive, you have the church, you contact the leadership of the church, and you have the government. And if you're in danger, you call the police. And if you don't, I will, if I find out, because I'm, I'm a required reporter. And I remember, I'll give you a case in point in my own life. I remember a man in the congregation mistreating his wife. She called me. I got the associate pastor for accountability and restraint. We drove to his office, and I lovingly, metaphorically, and somewhat literally drug him out of his office into the parking lot. And I told him that he would be meeting with me and his wife the next day at 9 o'clock while the associate pastor prayed behind me. And I told him that if he said anything to her when he got home, anything negative, if he touched her when he got home, that he would be the most miserable among men come sunrise the next day. And you know what? They showed up. They underwent counseling. He came to Christ. They're happily married today. And nothing bad happened to him physically or emotionally that I was responsible for. Okay? (laughs) But submission isn't, isn't surrendering the right to protect yourself. You know, it, it, you've got, you call the police, you call the church. You know, it amazes me how people just forget. Submission is not doing nothing to protect yourself from an unreasonable husband. You know what else submission isn't? Submission isn't giving up independent thought or becoming intellectually stagnant or giving up all efforts to influence your husband. I had somebody tell me this one time, it's not exactly a perfect analogy, that the husband is the head of the home and sometimes the wife is the neck that turns the head. And what that means is this. If you want to use a corporate analogy, husband's the CEO, the wife is the vice president of operations, and no leader ever ignores the counsel of his closest associate and colleague. No teammate ever goes it alone. That's not the essence of team playing. And the bottom line is, now it's tricky because in in many marriage counseling situations, I've had somebody say to me, well, how many times can, after he says no, can I keep coming back to this issue time and time again? And I had to say, no means no. If you want to use a three-strike methodology, fine. There's not a perfect analogy. But the bottom line is, when it says in Colossians, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, the you is plural, which means the woman has access to the word of God too. And she might point out something to her husband that he needs to hear. Proverbs 31:26, the excellent wife, right? The Proverbs 31 woman, she opens her mouth in wisdom. That wisdom was given to her for a purpose. It's not just to keep in a bottle and pull it out whenever. And then the, the warning in Proverbs 1.8, don't forsake your mother's teaching because she has wisdom. And then I remember in, 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 in Judges 13, you, and for those of you know the story about Samson's parents, Manoah and his wife, and the angel of the Lord appears before them and she, he's pulling his hair out thinking we're going to die. And she's like, well, honey, if we were going to be, if we were going to die, we'd be dead already. If he intended to kill us, we wouldn't be here. So it doesn't mean you don't have a role or a place in the marriage. 
in the decision process. It just means that ultimately when the final decision is made, you submit to your husband as to the Lord. Worship and warfare. Sometimes the warfare is in our own hearts. It's not supposed to be between the man and the woman, okay? Something else that submission is not, ladies. It's not always fair. It's not always fair. In 1 Peter 2.19, and this is a broad statement that covers every aspect of the human experience, for it is a gracious thing then when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. What does that mean? It means things don't always work out well. But our Christianity, your Christianity and my Christianity is not contingent on the other person across the table from us. It's not contingent on win-win situations. Our Christianity, our faith walk, our practice, the words that come out of our mouths, the decisions we make are predicated on our relationship with God and our faithfulness to Him out of reverence to Christ. Okay, so we know what submission isn't. Then what is submission? What's it involve? Submission is a means of influence. Submission is a means of influence. 1 Peter 3.1 Likewise, wives, be subject, there's that submit word, to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won by the conduct of their wives. You influence a lot of ways. Verbally, demonstrably, attitudinally, all kinds of ways. Submission is comprehensive. Ephesians 5.24 Now as the church submits to Christ, so also Wives submit to their husbands in everything. And submission is a spiritual matter. That's where we get into worship and warfare. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Colossians 3.18, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. What else is submission? Submission is normal and necessary. We see this in... uh, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing so you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. In 1 Peter 2.15, you have the testimony part, the witness part is part of the worship. This is the will of God that by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. This is our worship. This is how we bear witness to Christ. And if Peter and Paul can say this about Nero, how many of you are married to Nero? No, put your hand down. No. How many of you are Nero? Nobody put their hand up. How many of you are married to Nero? This is the worship and warfare part. It's easy to be a Christian when things are going good. It's not so easy when things are going tough. And that's what's going on here. Last and least, last and not least, I'm sorry. What is submission? It's worship and warfare. And that's where this whole discourse goes. It goes from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 to Ephesians chapter 6. And it says, finally, finally, in light of all the stuff that came before about being careful how you walk, about being imitators of God, about redeeming the time because the days are evil, about walking in wisdom, not being high on the culture, high on, on wine, but high on the Holy Spirit, metaphorically speaking. Finally, in light of all this, this is the warfare part, because Ephesians ultimately is about spiritual warfare. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It's part of God's will and plan for our lives, for his mission and our roles and goals in his kingdom work that we submit to those in authority. And that includes wives submitting to their husbands. It's showing respect to God and others, particularly in marriage. It's respecting the husband's rank, if you want to call it that. You know, 
That's why a good wife sees the larger picture. And that's why she trusts and obeys God. She knows that he's got a plan and his plan is perfect and his will is perfect. And he takes imperfect people like us and does perfect things. And that's why we trust and obey God. And finally, a good wife makes a good marriage because a good wife chooses to respect her husband. Let me say that again. A good wife chooses to respect her husband. Where do we see that? In Ephesians 5.33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. That's the... What's happening in Ephesians 5.33 is it's summarizing Ephesians 5 in terms of husbands and wives. And so it says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Each one of you sacrificially love his wife with the same detail and care that you understand and take care of yourself. And the wife, let the wife see that she respects her husband. His call is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5.25. His call includes loving his wife with the care with which he would love and care for his own body, Ephesians 5.28. His call includes and, and embraces living with his wife in an understanding way, 1 Peter 3.7, so that his prayers will not be hindered. And her call, her call, is to respect her husband's office, to respect her husband's call, to respect her husband's role, because he is to be, become, or grow into Christ for the family. And here's the problem, is if you're a woman and you marry a man, he's going to be a human being. And he's going to fail you. Only Christ will not fail you. But yet you're called to follow and to submit your husband's leadership as he follows and submits to Christ. And sometimes your husband acts like me. And I don't mean in a good sense. I can be stubborn. I can be distracted. I can be preoccupied with the office. And I can just wander into a family situation and make hash out of it. Which brings us to a video I want to set up before we show. I have this oddball video. I've been looking for good videos for this series. And this just shows how inept and incompetent I am because I chose this one. But let me explain to you what it is. It's a military thing. You know I love the military. And what it is, is it's two men who have gone through the military together. And the one guy who was the bad guy, the not-so-nice guy, who can't stand this other guy, ends up being outranked by him. And so they're passing. And he he looks at the guy who used to report to him and looks away, and he won't salute him. And that guy's now a major, and he goes, Captain? You know, and the guy, and and he says, You salute the rank, not the man. Maestro? And this is the husband's office, sort of. Captain Sobel? Major Winters? Captain Sobel. We salute the rank, not the man. Sometimes you have to salute the rank, not the man. Sometimes the wife, the husband has to sacrifice for the wife when she's not particularly lovable. This is what God has called us to in marriage. And a good husband loves his wife the way that Christ loved the church and gives himself up for her and loves her as he would his own body and lives with her in an understanding way. And a good wife chooses to respect her husband because this is the man that God has given her. And this is the man that, that God has called to fulfill the role at such a time as this. And it's hard to do. But it's a choice. It's a choice. She is to submit to him as to the Lord, given his role and his calling. She is to submit to him comprehensively in everything. She is to do so for his good and God's glory, winning him even if he's disobedient without a word by her conduct. She is to do so because souls are at stake. And she is to do so because she trusts and obeys Jesus. And that's a choice that she has to make. And that's why we talk about worship and warfare here. Because we have to understand our roles in marriage to make a good marriage. It takes a good husband to make a good marriage. It takes a good wife to make a good marriage. And they both engage in worship and warfare. 
And there's no way around that. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see to it that she respects her husband's. And sometimes, you know, when we wrestle with spiritual forces in dark places, it's not just outside us, but it's inside us. Next week, we're going to get into Ephesians 6 and the spiritual warfare passage. And what you're going to find is sometimes the battlefield, husbands and wives, is your mind. The battlefield is the marketplace of ideas. The battlefield is your attitude. Women have it rough, but God has given them a clear vision of their calling and provision. And he's not left you ladies without instructions. I know men don't like to read instructions or or ask for directions, but we all should be willing to do that. And we have God's word to guide us and to direct us. So let me just encourage you to follow to follow God's instructions because marriage comes from God. Its purpose is the care of creation and community. It's, it's a team relationship. It's permanent and it's for a believing man and a believing woman. And it takes a good husband and a good wife. And the question that you all have to ask and answer, ladies, right now is what about me? What about me? Well, let me give you some application here. Number one, focus on your role and understand your role through the word of God. It's the lens that gives you clear understanding. Trust God. You trusted him for salvation. Trust him for guidance. Trust him for strength in the trial, no matter what kind of man you're married to. And obey God. His way is the right way. It's not the easiest way. That's why Jesus prayed, Father, not what I will, but what you will. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. Follow your husband's lead as he attempts to follow Christ. And when necessary, salute the office and not the man. Each of us has a role to fulfill in God's economy. This is worship and warfare. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, understanding what the will of God is. Put on the full armor of God, all the understanding that that comes with, so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil, because lives and eternities are at stake, and we've been given very specific roles and goals to fulfill in life, marriage, and the church, so that we won't fall prey to the schemes of the devil. No one said it would be easy. No one said it wouldn't be difficult, but difficult does not mean impossible. We have some resources for you here. I gave some to the guys. I'll give some to the girls. A book, How to Act Right When Your Spouse Acts Wrong. This is the easiest book of the list to read. It's short. It's simple. It's practical. Liberty Through Submission by Bunny Wilson. Reforming Marriage by Doug Wilson. And last but not least, 50 Questions to Ask Your Husband. Remember last time I gave out 50 Questions to Ask Your Wife. You've got 50 questions. They're in the lobby on the tables out there. And finally, we have these electives in the ABFs coming. We'll have registration in December, but we're going to do one on raising small children, one on raising not-so-small children, one on experiencing trusting God even when life hurts, and one on reforming marriage, reshaping your marriage in the image and likeness of God's Word. And until then, pray for your husbands, pray for your wives, pray for your marriage, Pray for your witness, pray for your worship, and pray for your warfare. Let's pray. Father, as we think about family matters, Lord, we know that family matters matter to you, and so they should matter to us. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to your care, to your guidance, to your word, empowered by your spirit, guided by your word, encouraged by one another in the church, Lord, to wage war in a way that brings glory to you and good to other people, to worship you in the way that you deserve to be worshipped, Father. I pray for each and every person here in their marriage or if they're about to get married, Lord, no matter whether they've been married for five days or 50 years, Lord, that you would just bless them as they seek your face, that you give them strength in the trial as they find out how selfish they can be or how selfish their spouse can be. Father, marriage is a glorious thing. For this call 
And for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. Father, we thank you for our teammate. We thank you for our Savior. We thank you for all that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. We so very much want to thank you for taking the time to join us today to study God's Word. And it's important that we let you know that we feel so blessed that you join us here each day on the program. Please remember, Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside Church would love to hear from you. So please take a moment to drop us a line or shoot us an email to let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's how you can contact us. The church mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can also visit our website at hillside.org, where you can find out more information about Pastor Keith, view our calendar of upcoming events here at Hillside, and also get information on our service times. If you're close to the San Jose area, we would love for you to join us for worship. We are now offering two Sunday morning services here at Hillside Church, the first beginning at 9 a.m. and the second starting at 10.45 a.m. And we'll be continuing with our Spanish language service starting at 10.45 a.m. Remember, if you need more information on this or anything else happening here at Hillside Church, just visit our website at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again on the program next time as we continue to study God's Word. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.